Thank you. Thank you. So, as I said, I'm Sophie, and um, it's lovely to see you all here today. And if you're new here, then we are so happy to see you, and you're so welcome. Um, as I said, I'm in the operations team, and normally I'm at the back of church at this point, which is a much safer place for me than up here. But I am very excited to be up here speaking to you this morning. My husband Matt and I and our daughter Emily moved to Exeter with Ed and Jess, our lead pastors here today. Uh, our lead pastors here. We moved, they are today, yes. Um, I'll settle in in a minute. Um, we moved with them in 2019 um, to help plant this church, and we're absolutely loving living in Exeter. Emily is in her second year of school now. She's five. She's a delight most of the time, and she's a force to be reckoned with the rest of the time. I wonder what you might say if someone asked you the question, whose are you? Where do you belong? Where have you come from? Whose are you? It's a big question. Maybe you feel like you know the answer. Maybe you really, really don't. Maybe you come to church and you're doing your thing and you haven't really thought about it that much. And maybe you have absolutely no, no, no idea what I'm talking about and wish that I'd get on with it. I, I wasn't the coolest of, of teenagers. I, um, I felt like a bit of a misfit most of my childhood and that was kind of an ongoing theme. I never really liked things that my peers did. Ballet, ponies. I found dresses an inconvenience. I still do. And tights are even worse. And I was the 18-year-old who was given a Black & Decker workmate, a workbench for my 18th birthday. <laughs> I always found it easier to fade into the background because that way no one noticed that I was a little bit different. If I'd been able to have a superpower growing up, I think it would have been invisibility. The thing is, though, that I wasn't, I wasn't unhappy. There was a part of me that was okay being me because I'd always believed that God created me. I'd always known somewhere in the recesses of my mind that what he'd created was acceptable and that God creates good things. I knew that there must be a plan for my life. I knew whose I was. That assurance, though, didn't stop me from trying so hard to be invisible that when I hit adulthood, I spent nearly two decades trying to figure out who I actually was, figure out what that plan for my life might be. But even when I was alone, sticking things with my glue gun or doing a jigsaw in my room, I was, I don't know, there was a contentment almost knowing, knowing that there was a God who'd created me on purpose and that he creates good things. Let's read together this morning from Romans chapter 8. So grab a Bible if you have one or find it on your phone um, and it will come up on the screen as well. So this is from a letter that Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome. It's from chapter 8. And we're going to start at verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you lie in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. And then jumping to verse 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? 
But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Isn't that an amazing passage? And I love how Krish Kandaya sums it up in his book. This is a cosmic canvas on which the secret to the universe is revealed. Our creation, our destination, our salvation, or in other words, life, death, and the universe are all awaiting, building up to, straining towards our adoption. What do you think of when you hear the word adoption? I mentioned that we have a five-year-old daughter, Amelie. We made her the regular way. Um, I grew her in my tummy and gave birth to her. (laughs) A few years ago, though, Matt and I started to wonder whether God might be calling us to adoption. And so after a very long process, a very long form, um, interviews with social worker, our friends and family having interviews with social worker, and tons of prayer and support from wonderful friends and family, in May of this year, we found ourselves in front of a panel of four people, and they said yes. So hopefully... So hopefully next year, we'll become a family of four. And when Matt and I adopt this child, hopefully a little girl, will become part of our family. We will become her parents. She will become Amelie's sister, and they will be our children. I always thought that adoption was a, a very bold thing to do, to adopt a child into your family that you know nothing about, from a family you know nothing about, a child who you have to get to know, who you have to learn, who you have to build trust with, a totally unknown quantity. And then we had Amelie. (laughs) And whether or not you have experience of that kind of adoption, adoption probably brings to mind quite a variety of feelings and experiences for those of us here. Family, confusion maybe, happiness, abandonment, love, being chosen. Adoption isn't something that we talk about very often, but it is a fundamental part of Christianity. And when we ask Jesus into our lives, we are adopted into the family of God. We become children of God. The Holy Spirit literally brings about our adoption. The passage talks about how the Holy Spirit helps us see what is to come. Our final adoption, when Jesus comes back and our bodies are redeemed. But it is also talking about the here and now. The Holy Spirit doesn't make us slaves to an almighty power. It brings about our adoption by the almighty. We are God's children and we can call him father. If there is one thing that you take away this morning, let it be that you are God's child and he loves you. You belong to him in a good way. He made you, you. He knows the number of hairs that you have on your head and he knew your name before your parents did. And you know what else? He gave you your gifts and your talents for a reason. And even if you're still working out what they are, he's not. I feel like I've been working out what I'm supposed to be good at most of my adult life. I think society is very confusing One second, society is telling you you're supposed to be different, to stand out, to be unique. The second, you're supposed to conform, to do the expected thing and to fit in and be normal. Amelie, our five-year-old firecracker, um, is, I imagine, not the uh, easiest of children to have in a classroom. They have a traffic light behavioural system at her school and green is a good thing. All the kids are supposed to be good to be green throughout the day. But if you, do, if you make a little bit of a bad choice, like saying something unkind or you don't listen to a teacher, then you get a yellow card. And if you do a really bad choice, then you get a red card. And that's not a good thing, right? They want to be green all the time. The thing is, though, a part of me was a little bit pleased, even a little bit proud, the first time that Amelie got a yellow card. <laughs> 
And that is because I would never have got a yellow card as a child. And that yellow card meant that she was pushing back, meant she was exerting her character. It, was make, it meant she was making her thoughts and her feelings known. I don't want Amelie to conform. I don't want her to fade into her class and to grow up trying to fit into a society that is telling her to be a particular thing, but not giving her anything back for doing that. I don't want her to sit quietly and when it's injustice. I want Amelie to stand up and fight for what she believes in. I want her to defend others and to fight against injustice. I look back now and I wish that as a child, I'd known that even though invisibility was my safe place, God isn't calling us to be invisible. He's not calling you to be invisible. I don't think that God wants us to be normal and fit in either. I think he wants us to stand up and fight for what we believe in, to stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves, to be a voice for the voiceless. Because we can know that we're adopted, because we've been adopted into this family of God and we're secure in who we are, we can stand up for what we believe in. Proverbs 39 says this. Speak up for the people who have no voice, for the rights of all the misfits. Speak out for justice. Stand up for the poor and destitute. In order to do that, though, we need to get close to the voiceless. Brian Stevenson, a civil rights lawyer in America, talks about the need for us to get close to the people that God is calling us to stand up for. He says this, When you get proximate to the excluded and the disfavoured, you learn things that you need to understand if we're going to change the world. How better to do that than to invite them into our family, to adopt them as our brothers and sisters, and to show them that they have a heavenly father who loves them unconditionally. Whose are you? You are God's child, you are enough, and he created you to be you. We should be telling everyone else that as well. Imagine if everyone had self-belief. Imagine if everyone had self-worth and a core understanding that the creator of the universe created them. And that's like our story of adoption. Matt and I may not have created our future child, but you know who has created her? God has created her. He knows her by name. He loves her unconditionally. (laughs) And he has a plan for her life. (laughs) Like he does for each one of you. Thank you. (laughs) He loves each of you. I'm just going to burn my nose before I can't talking. Like he does for you. He has a plan for each of your lives. He loves you unconditionally. And he knows you by name. Adoption is about relationship. Adoption is about relationship. The legal side of it is almost a separate thing. We'll have to wait for over 10 weeks before we can legally apply. Sorry, we'll have to wait for over 10 weeks since the child comes to live with us before we can even apply to be her legal parents. And even after we've submitted that application, we might have to wait up for a year before we're legally her parents. And when we finally do get to court and God willing, we are named as her parents, nothing cataclysmic is going to happen as we walk out of that courtroom door. It will be a huge relief, but the formation of our family, her adoption into our lives will have already happened over the minutes, the hours, the days, and the weeks that we've been getting to know her, that we've been get, she's been getting to know us, she's been learning to trust us. That is where the relationship will have been built. Adoption isn't a rubber stamp on a form. Adoption is a forever family. 
I'm not suggesting that everyone in the room should adopt a child. Adoption is a calling, a weight that God places on your heart that you can't ignore. I had absolutely no intention of adopting growing up, but God had other ideas. But us, the church, knowing that we are adopted as children of God means that we are best placed to support those connected with the care system. That might be supporting your, a family in, through your local church. It might be standing next to the mum in the playground whose kid is kicking off. It might be praying. It might be being an independent visitor, someone who meets with a looked-after child once a month, who's a consistent presence for them as they move throughout the care system. Like Brian Stevenson said, we need to get proximate if we're going to change this city. Our vision at St. Matt's is to love Jesus and transform Exeter. Who are you going to get proximate to to transform this city? The other day, I put on a light wash, as you do. Um, Matt and I and I have been staying at Ed and Jess's house um, whilst we had some work done on, the ho- on our house because they're very generous people who didn't mind having guests for an undefined amount of time. Um, there was quite a lot of white laundry. There was Amelie's white T-shirt. There was Amelie's white socks. There was Amelie's school dresses with white collars. And I chucked everything in because I didn't think there was anything to worry about. When I came to take out the washing, everything that had been white was now pink. And I was like, what have I put in there? And as I was hanging up, I realised that there were a pair of trousers in there that, that are pale pink that I had completely forgotten about. And uh, I, I had a witness to this incident. Um, and on the sound advice of Ed, who I may add was still hysterically laughing in a corner, I, um, I, put all the, I put all the now pink washing back in the washing machine with some vanish. And I helpfully picked up some white socks that were on the floor by the washing machine and put them in as well. Turns out that the residual dye in the pink items was enough to dye the new pair of white socks I put in pink as well. And, and they, weren't, they weren't ours. But thankfully, Ed and Jess were very understanding. And they're now being used as little sleeping bags for small teddies. <laughs> it's a pain when this happens to close. But what if we were like that pink dye in this city? What if everyone that we met was left with a trace of Jesus? Every contact leaves a trace, right? What if everyone that we met was left with a trace of that pink dye, a trace of Jesus? I am passionate about breaking, broken, about breaking cycles of broken relationship. I'm passionate about people coming to understand that they are loved unconditionally by a God who died on the cross for them. And I'm passionate about the church stepping up <laughs> to take our place in this broken society. And I'm asking you to stand with me, to welcome the broken into our community, to adopt the lost into our family, and to heal our broken society through the love of Jesus. So that people can feel loved again, so that they can feel enough, and so they know whose they are. so that they know that they have been adopted into this family of God. Our vision for St. Matt's is to love Jesus and transform Exeter. Let's do both. Let's love Jesus and love the people of this city. Amelie is our child, and any other child that joins our family will be our child as well. You are God's child, and you have been adopted into this family. 
Maybe you feel like me. I doubt myself. I doubt my abilities. I question whether I'm in the right world at work. I question whether I'm doing a decent enough job of wifing, of mothering. But I, I don't doubt my existence. I know that God created me on purpose, for a purpose. I might not have figured that out yet, what it is, but I don't doubt that I will. You were created on purpose. You were not a mistake. God loves you. You are his child and you are enough. Be you, because that is, God, that is who God created you to be. Together, we have been adopted into this family. You are part of God's family. You're part of this family at St. Matt's. And if you're not yet, you're very welcome to join us. Spending time together as family is where we will learn whose we are, where we will build God's kingdom together. And it's perfectly summed up in Ephesians 2. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets for their foundation, and now he's using you, fitting you in, brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds us all together. Would you like to stand as we pray together? Lord, thank you that you love us unconditionally. Thank you that we are your children and have been adopted into your family. We pray that you would encourage each of us in the room today that we would know you chose us, that you have a plan for our lives and that you delight in us. Amen. Amen.